0: You just got to buy one rental and surround yourself with the right people and network.
1: Do you often wonder whether there's more to life than your nine to five job? Do you dream about having a life that has no boundaries, where you can decide what to do and where to do it? And does the thought of how to get that life maybe overwhelm you just a little bit? Then this is the podcast for you. Join me as I uncover how to get that freedom and live a life that needs no retirement plan. I'll be scouring the internet and chatting with people from all walks of life who are out there living life to the max instead of punching a time card. I'm Jackie Doucette, and this is Beyond Retirement. Hi, welcome to another episode of Beyond Retirement. Today I'm really honored to be joined by Lane Kawaoka. Lane's a licensed professional engineer, and he's got a master's degree in civil engineering and a bachelor's degree in industrial engineering, both from the University of Washington. As an engineer, he managed projects in both the public and the private sector. But more interesting to me and hopefully to you guys too, is that aside from his day job, he controls seven manufactured home parks and 16 apartment buildings and one assisted living facility. So he's got a total of over 3,000 units in eight U.S. markets. So Lane's been doing a lot of uh, passive real estate investing, and he's build up quite a business doing that. And he's going to tell us a little bit about what he's done and how he does it. Um, What he's doing is uh, helping to mentor people and and inspire working professionals to uh, show them how to do real estate investing and build their own portfolio so that they can get the the residual or passive income that uh, will keep them going through their life. So, Lane, thanks very much for being here today.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me, Jackie.
1: So can you start by just telling us a little bit about um, your business in general, how you got started and and where it, where it is today?
0: Yeah, so I got started back in 2009. Um, up until that point, I was uh, just like anybody else. Parents tell me to go to school, get a good job, and I graduated with an engineering degree. And I went and uh, bought a house to live in. Because that's what everybody says you're supposed to do, supposedly. Right. Um, I don't quite believe in that today. And um, I lived in that home. And, you know, for a lot of kids getting out of college, your, your job isn't the greatest, right? Like they, they stick you out in the field. You have to travel a lot. So I was never home to live in that nice house I bought for myself. So I, uh, I rented it out. It was a $35,000 house in Seattle and uh, rented it out for 2200 bucks a month and the mortgage was $1,600 and for a young 20-year-old kid back then, that was a lot of beer money for me and I realized I needed to keep doing that again and again because that was my ticket out of the rat race and eventually it was.
1: <clears throat> that sounds very much like uh, Robert Kiyosaki's uh, prescription for success get out, get out of the rat race, get into something that gives you a a passive income so that you're uh, not working for it yourself.
0: Right, right. I mean, I think a lot of us read that purple book, right? And the the concepts are pretty simple, Um, buy assets that produce income so the income can pile up and you can buy more assets. Um, Problem with the book is it doesn't really tell you how to do any other thing, right? Like it's kind of like you're all fired up and you're like, yeah, let's get free. And then it's like, uh, what do I do? Um, I've kind of created a prescription and a program for higher paid working professionals to um, do this passively. You know, I don't flip houses. I don't wholesale houses. Um, My first 10 years, I did this while working a full-time engineering job. And that's not for everybody, um, but for a lot of my clients that are working professionals, it's really the way to do it, in my opinion.
1: So can you talk a little bit about that? How, how would you get started? How would you recommend someone who is working full time and busy? How would you recommend that they get started doing what you're doing?
0: Yeah. So the first, um, first thing here is like, you know, you gotta have money to invest in real estate, right? It's called real estate investing. And if you don't have money, it's a money problem. So to buy a rental property, we'll buy properties out in the Midwest and the South where, things are a lot cheaper than California, New York, Hawaii, Seattle. Um, oftentimes, you can buy a $100,000 house and rent it to some pretty quality folks for $1,000 a month. And um, for those of you, who, you who, um, who've never kind of looked at prices of rentals, you know, that's the first thing we look for is this thing called the rent-to-value ratio. So you take the uh, monthly rent divided by the purchase price and you're looking for something 1% or higher, if it's less than that, you keep moving on because that ain't going to cash flow. And we're not looking to uh, invest for appreciation here, like how I think most investors would. I mean, if it happens, it's great. But we're looking to invest in recession-proof assets that cash flow.
1: Okay, so <clears throat> so you're, you're not necessarily, as you said, you're not looking for something that you're going to uh, um, sell for a, so, for a profit later on, you're going to hold on to it and keep it going through whatever uh, the market kind of has thrown or throws at you.
0: Right, right. Don't get me wrong. I mean, if the property goes up in value by 20, 30%, and sometimes that could take a year, sometimes that could take five, 10 years, I'll sell it and um, buy three or four more houses in its place. But, um, you know, I, number one rule of investing is don't lose money. And how do you ensure that? Well, you make sure the income exceeds the expenses every single month and you can hold to sell at the right time at your choosing.
1: Okay. So you, you say, make sure that your income exceeds your expenses every month. How, uh, how can you, you can't really guarantee that anytime. Can you?
0: You can't, but, you know, that's why people invest in real estate, right? Your tenants are the ones paying for your rents. And um, a lot of times that is, you know, people need roofs over their head, right? There are laws saying that you have to pay your rent. Um, And then also in this country, the nice thing about our country is we have an ever-growing population and housing shortage, And, um, you know, I can't guarantee that the houses out in San Francisco will keep going up in value, but I will, I am, I can, I can kind of guarantee with demographics that people will always need a roof over their head and that demand will keep going up and up and up and not too many things you can count on in this world, but the average rent prices will probably be keep going up and up and up. So as an investor, um, you know invest off of you know workforce housing the, the bell curve of america
1: if someone is starting out like you're talking you were saying you go to kind of the the, the midwest or somewhere where the prices are a little bit lower how do you uh, how do you manage that if you're if if say you're living in washington or you in in honolulu um it's kind of maybe nerve wracking a little bit to be uh, holding on to properties where you can't see them all the time.
0: Right. Right. I mean, most investors have that problem, right? They have this idea that you need to feel it, touch it, be the person unclogging the toilets and uh, doing the handyman work yourself. Um, But I learned pretty early that um, that's just not what I do. And I need to pay a professional third party property manager to do my dirty work for me. Yes, it costs 10% of the rents every month, but to me, it's totally worth it. Because my at the end of the day, my, when I had a day job, my highest and best use was going to work every day in the office.
1: So do you go out and, and actually see the properties before you buy them, or do you do that uh, remotely as well?
0: Initially, I bought them sight unseen. Sounds crazy, huh?
1: <laughs> a little bit.
0: <laughs> that's why... Um, That's why you get people on your team, like brokers, property managers that are kind of your eyes and ears. Eventually, you know, after you buy maybe five or 10 of these properties, I'd suggest heading out there. At least, you know, at least to go take the guys who are helping you out as your vendors and property managers out to lunch. But you know, these houses, they're commodities, right? It's not like buying a house for yourself to live in. Right. It's, it's essentially a box that people will pay a certain, there's a, there's a very um, large market for a certain price per square foot per month. Um, it's a commodity.
1: And when you're deciding what you're going to uh, what you're going to invest in next, I know you you spoke a little a few minutes ago about the uh, <clears throat> what you're what you're going to make on it versus what it costs you. Is there anything else that that you look at before you uh, consider buying something?
0: Yeah, so I mean, the first thing, like we mentioned, you know, we buy in more secondary and tertiary markets, so they're not primary markets. So primary markets are places like Seattle, all of the state of California, Hawaii, New York, Boston. You're not gonna have the rent to value ratios in decent areas to be able to cash flow. Um, as they say in California, no bueno, ain't gonna work. No, <laughs> ain't gonna work. So that's kind of the first criteria. And then what we're looking for are robust economies where the population is growing, right? We want to be on the uptrend and at least picking the right markets to be going into. And then the kind of the last criteria is we, we try and pick the right markets. So the way we, some of the speak that we use, and you know, listeners can probably use the same speak when they talk to brokers, is we separate them in A class, B class, C class, and even D class, so A class are your areas where, you know, you're gonna have the, you know, the white collar workers, guys making eighty thousand dollars or more, newer properties, nineteen ninety five and later. Um, we don't buy those; they're not worth it because we're competing with emotional buyers, right? We're not gonna get the rent to value ratios that we need to be able to cash flow. Um, at the same time, we don't go after the D and F class properties, right? Where you might have to carry a gun (laughs) or your property manager might have to carry a gun to go collect the rent checks. Of course, it's all direct deposit and and mail-in checks, of course, but um, we don't buy in those places for obvious reasons. So there's sort of a sweet spot here, sort of in a B minus C plus type of um, area. And that usually means like a 1960s to 1990s type of property. It's um blue collar, white collar mix, um, type of tenants. You know, these guys they're not making more than fifty-five thousand a year. But they have good stable jobs and this is where most of America is. And initially when I started to do this, I mean it was a culture shock for sure. I mean, out here in Hawaii house starter house is six hundred, seven hundred thousand. I didn't know that, you know you could you know, like you could buy a house. A pretty decent house for sixty to one hundred thousand right. dollars.
1: <throat> Just depends where you go, right? Right. So when uh, when you're going to be mentoring someone, uh, what kind of things do you do you expect them to um, bring to the table? Basically, you said some money, obviously.
0: Yeah, so I I don't mentor people on a one-on-one basis anymore other than family office clients who are above 2 or $3 million of net worth. Um, What I do today are more group coaching type of arrangements because um, I don't... A lot of times I think my hourly rates just... I wouldn't pay it if I was starting out, to be honest. (laughs) So how can I expect someone to pay it, right? And also with the group coaching arrangement... Now you create your, your passive investor network. And, and to me, when I was kind of you know getting up to my rental count was 10, 11 rentals. I did it all by myself. and was very difficult. I couldn't go from 10 rentals to over 3,000 if I didn't have a network of other high-paid doctors, lawyers, engineers, accountants, et cetera, that I made real organic relationships with to find deals, to get referrals, Um, so that's kind of what I do today I cultivate a mastermind and an accelerator for other people who are looking to buy into a group yeah it's a little cheaper and um, nothing's wrong with that but um, you know I mean everything's on my podcast for free right I mean I have well over almost 200 plus episodes now and I wanted I did every all this by myself for on the free and the cheap because my net worth was nothing when I started back in 2009 and you know it's the right thing to do, but um, yeah, you know, for people looking to you know pay for a little bit of handholding and especially compressed time, right? Because time is the most important thing.
1: And your uh, your website is uh, simplepassivecashflow.com, that's a that's a name that's your podcast name as well, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, it's podcast name is Simple Passive Cash Flow, and um, they can check everything out there, and um. Yeah, we have an investor club people can sign up for at it. simplepassacashflow.com slash club. But um, yeah, always looking to um, help people get started, right? I mean, it, I think it's kind of daunting to get started, but you just got to buy one rental and surround yourself with the right people and network.
1: I imagine I know the answer to this, but if you were just starting off and you're going to buy your first rental, would you recommend a single family home or a small multi-unit uh building or does it really make a difference
0: i i would rather i mean your first property is going to be a, a experiment right anyway it's not going to be the best one you buy to me with experience you, you start small right so that's one perspective um a lot of my clients they make over 100 200 grand a year at their day job and they are definitely on the road to being an accredited investor which is a net worth over a million dollars likely they will graduate to private placements and syndications due to scalability and to be completely passive and not have to take any loans in their name or own title directly Um, for those people i will sometimes recommend they pick up a a rental property and because they are likely going to sell the property after they get the experience um, in a few years, because there's not much to owning these things and being a landlord and and operating with a property manager, doing your dirty work. But um, yeah, for those guys, I recommend single family homes instead of um, multifamilies because the multi problem with the multifamilies is the exit strategy is, is, is difficult on those. The only people that are looking to buy multifamilies are more cheapskate investors like us. <laughs> and uh, you're not gonna get that emotional buyer to kind of bail you out and pay, you know, extra 10, 20% of what you fairly should get. Right. And that, and it's gonna be on the market to sell to that, that cheapskate investor for way, way longer than it is for a retail single family home.
1: Can you, um, just for people uh, like me, I've done a little bit of investing, but I don't know a whole lot about it. Can you talk a little bit about what private placement and syndication mean?
0: Yeah, so I got up to 11 rentals in 2015, and I started to join other mastermind groups and get around more sophisticated, higher net worth investors. Um, back in the day when actually people played golf (laughs) they called these country club type of deals so what a syndication is is investors will pull together their money and um, it'll be filed with the SEC the Securities and Exchange Commission and you know they'll go after maybe a 200 or 400 unit apartment building um, along with maybe 50 or 100 investors Um, each investor will likely put in anywhere from $25,000 to $100,000 each. And um, the nice thing about that is those deals are, you know, they're kind of one in a thousand deals. The, the, The operator who puts it together, they find the deal, they use their connections to get the lending, they use their connections to operate it, and they are watching that thing like a hawk, and they are the pros. So passive investors come on board, they put up their money, and um, the general partner operates the show for them. So it's completely passive. So high net worth investors, what they will like to do is not own all, any of this real estate due to the liability and issues with scalability. And they will go into dozens and dozens of these deals. And that's their retirement portfolio, right? Real hard assets. I mean, I don't have any stocks or mutual funds, right? And, we, and we're seeing exactly why. Um, I don't care what the economy is doing. At the end of the day, my tenants, they work blue collar jobs and um, there'll always be someone looking to rent from me. Right.
1: Okay. So that makes sense. And the the private placement, that's a same idea.
0: Yeah. Same. The the terms are pretty much synonymous. Yeah.
1: Okay. When you first get going, because most people, you know, you, you're going to start small. You're going to start with one property or maybe two if you're really lucky. Um, what what would you say is the, the best way to build up the team that you're going to have? You're, you're going to need your property manager. You're going to need other people that, uh, that can help you if you're doing that remotely. Um, do you use just references from people you know or how do you go about building a team remotely?
0: Right, I mean, ref- referrals. Referrals are probably the best way to go. I mean, a lot of people will use um, the person that bought their house as the as their property manager, which I would say is probably the worst place to go. <laughs> <laughs> um, always go off of referrals off somebody you trust. So, I mean, it's kind of a roundabout way of doing things, but building relationships with other investors who have done this in the past, that is so critical and key. And it's the long, sustainable way of doing this. Unfortunately, it's tough. In the beginning, you offer no value to that person and quite frankly, you're wasting their time. Um, So I don't know, figure out what kind of bottle of wine they like or take them out to lunch. Um, Luckily, a lot of these guys are, they got a pretty good life, right? They don't worry about the stock market. They don't worry about their day jobs. Um, They're pretty abundant giving people. Right, um, so I, I would try and find one of those people at first, then to kind of do the, the the traditional way of doing it, which is going on Yelp, you know, finding a broker or finding a property manager, googling all this data. I mean, don't 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 try and recreate this wheel. You know, there's so many investors that have done this type of thing initially, and I'll also say, if you're looking to do more cash flow type of investing, especially remote investing out of your state if you're like in a place like California going to the local area is one of the worst places to go because the people who go to that are typically they don't have any money and they're looking to get rich quick and they are looking to flip houses and wholesale properties um, which is the exact opposite of you know what I do.
1: You, uh, did you start did you do that right from the start? Did you know that you didn't want to do the, uh, the flipping or that sort of thing?
0: Yeah I quit, you know I, I went and kind of rubbed shoulders with everybody initially and then just I realized I was wasting my time. I mean here I was I was a working professional making a pretty good salary. Um, not to sound facetious or anything like that, but I did not belong in the room. And then I found other doctors, lawyers, and engineers, and I found what they were doing, and it was very different. Right, like I said before, I don't, I'm not here to uh, recreate the wheel. I just find what the best practices are, and copy it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so if someone, this probably the probably my last question about building and you know starting things off. If someone is just getting started, um, and they don't have very much time to put into this how would you uh, how would you recommend that they go about starting to to build their perf- portfolio or starting to look for the places that they're going to rent or going to buy i mean
0: right i mean if you don't you know i'm going back to the project management triangle which is time money and quality you know you're saying somebody doesn't have time well they better have money <laughs> right you can't have not have both you know it's not going to work Um, if you don't have much time and you make, you have a pretty good net worth, at least half a million, you know, get a mentor, pay to play, right? I mean, people pay hundreds of thousands of dollars to go to a college for your degree these days to work at Starbucks, yet they're not willing to pay a professional hourly rate of 600 bucks to a thousand, you know, something's wrong there. Um, that yeah, you pay to play. Right. And, and my thing is like, yeah, go listen to all the free podcasts and there's a lot of good books out there for, you know, six months, but at some point you're going to, uh, need to have somebody work over your shoulder because you can waste a lot of time on this. And I tell everybody in my passive investor mastermind group, um, that are clients of mine is like, if you're spending more than three or five hours a month doing this thing, as a passive investor, you're doing it wrong. And a lot of my clients, they have, you know, hundred K 200 K plus your jobs. And more importantly, they have, you know, young kids and family. Um, they shouldn't be spending their time doing this.
1: So that's, that's kind of interesting. Three to five hours a, a month doesn't seem like uh, very much. So obviously you've got to get something in place. And, and as you say, you've got to
0: right I, I mean then the analogy is kind of like swimming right i mean i'm not a very good swimmer if you watch me i'm kind of like thrashing in the water i'll probably die after like 20 minutes but you look at the pros right it's very very clean very efficient one stroke is will get them from one side of the, floor, the other it seems like
1: yep that's it exactly and it but that comes with practice too but yes they've got a coach
0: if somebody has gone through the pain points before and knows where to have you um, spend your, your small amount of focus and energy, then that compresses learning time.
1: So and if, um, if someone wanted to follow up with, with you or with your, with your uh, company, they would, the best place would be on the uh, website, I assume.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Just, you know, check out the website and listen to the, the, you know, the podcasts, they're all free. Right. I mean, and I think that's like, you know, you have a lot of questions on getting started and, and you're right. Like I think it's very daunting, right? Like this goes against everything that we're taught about. And I'll, I'll say like, that's why I do what I do is because there's so much finance, the bad financial dogma to go to a financial planner that just gets paid off fees. And that's essentially why people have to work at their jobs that they may or may not like for 40 years. Whereas, you know, somebody who can save 20 grand grand a year to buy one rental property, you know, and then they're buying two properties every year after a while, and where each rental property, you know, it's not going to make them rich, right? But it's going to be like growing like two or three times faster than anything in the stock market could. And with the tax benefits of real estate ownership, I mean, it's a, it's a no-brainer, I think. But uh, just got to get started.
1: And that's, I guess that's the key. And a lot of people are scared to just get started. Exactly. I think a lot of people, at least the ones, people that I've talked to that aren't in real estate investing are scared of it because they're all looking at it emotionally. They're looking at it the way that they look at their own home and trying to find, like, they don't want to, they go out to look for a place to buy and they, they think, oh, well, that's not a nice house as opposed to thinking, will someone live here?
0: Right. Right. We're, we're after buying three bedrooms, two baths, 1200 square feet, the fortune square feet, you know, it's, they're commodities. And, and if you're like that, maybe it's better. You don't see it, right? Just <laughs> exactly. Buy it totally sight on scene and just get the property manager to do everything for you.
1: That's probably the best idea. Right. So then in, in uh, just a, by way of wrapping up, if, and I know we've gone through this a couple of times, if someone was just starting what would be the the one piece of advice that you would give them if they were they're, they're a working professional, they're doing fine in their job, but they're getting close to where they want to be doing other things and passive investing, passive real estate investing might be something that's interesting to them. What would you say is the best thing to do to get started?
0: Well, I, I would say get the why rooted down. Um, I mean, figure out how much you're going, how much cash you have right now. And, How are you going to eat that? You can't eat Microsoft stocks. You can't eat Apple stocks. You have to sell it and then it's gone. What I do with my rental properties is the income exceeds the expenses and that puts food on my table. So essentially, I'm the total opposite of this accumulation theory that we're all brought up to believe where you invest and you hopefully you have 2 or $4 million at the end of it. I'm creating little mini pensions today and i'm living off that today to buy even more mini pensions and whether you believe it or not it's what's going to happen you're going to have to live off cash flow so the quicker you realize that hopefully that's the motivation that look man you gotta you gotta do it you gotta do this right if not you're going to eat your pile to zero unless you do something that converts it to cash flow
1: And that's true. Everybody puts their money in, in our RRSPs or your 401ks. And a time comes where you start pulling that out and then all of a sudden it's all gone.
0: Right. I mean, you know, the 401ks weren't around until all the mutual fund companies got in there and created these things. I mean, not to have a tinfoil hat on, but you know, (laughs) if you want to create a system where everybody has to work for 40 40 years and never gets financially free because, let's be honest if people were financially free this economy wouldn't work
1: (laughs) (laughs) so then we can't all go out and do
0: this (laughs) right we and and there won't be not everybody's going to do it but you know i think like anything else when things get difficult that it should be a reason to kind of press forward because other people have kind of fallen by the wayside financial is Freedom is not for everybody, but it is for the worthy. They're willing to do something a little bit different.
1: I like that, actually. That's that it's not. A lot of people think that uh, or say that you can do you can do anything, which is true. But just because you can do something doesn't necessarily mean it's the right thing for you. And I think that's it's good to uh, to remember that. There are going to be people who try this and fail. And there are going to be people who don't try it and probably could have done really well at it. And then there's right. going to be the ones who get going and they start start slow and, and move it on and they're going to see that cash flow for the rest of their life.
0: Right, right. And and, I, and I'll also add on to that. Like it's not like we're not flipping houses, guys. We're buying houses that cash flow every single month. And so a lot of people, I, you know, I'll go on a lot of um, speaking circuits and they'll ask me. Hey, what was the biggest mistake you ever made? Right. You know, cause they want something that people gush over. I'm like, um, I don't know, man. Like I always buy my houses where I can rent it for a few hundred more dollars at least than somebody, you know, that I have to pay the bank the cost of the debt. I mean, like, you know, it's like how many shots have you missed from two feet away? Right. <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah. I mean,
1: <laughs> that's great. I, I, I've only really talked to people who are doing the, the flipping they're buy and sell right. kind of places. And this is a- right.
0: I mean, that's what, that's, what's fun and sexy, right? Like I had the HDTV guys come and talk to me and interview me to be on a show and they're like, yeah, man, that's kind of boring. I'm like, yeah, you know, like buying stuff that cash flows, not made for TV, <laughs> you know, <laughs> That's okay. That's it.
1: It shows success. I mean, that, and that's what we're, that's what we're aiming at.
0: Right. Uh, To me, like financial, financially make sure it's as boring as possible, but live a, of a fun, crazy life. (laughs) Boring is good.
1: Yeah, That's great. Well, thank you very much, Lane, for taking the time to explain a little bit about your version of uh, real estate investing. I think that's a, I think it's a whole lot more, comfortable i guess for me anyway than uh, than the uh, flipping houses would be because you're always worrying about that whether you're going to make any money or not this way you know you are because that's the way you uh, you plan it right from the start
0: right right
1: so i will uh, make sure that your website is in the show notes and definitely uh, we'll be going over to listen to your podcast from now on because uh, Everybody needs some positive cash flow, I think.
0: <laughs>
1: so, thanks very much for being here. I really enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, thanks, Jackie. Let me know if you need anything.
1: I will. And that's our show for this week. Thanks for joining me for this episode of Beyond Retirement. I'm your host, Jackie Dissette. If you liked what you heard, please go to wherever you listen to podcasts, review the show, and leave me a rating. It helps me move up in the ranks and reach more people. If you've got any questions or comments, Drop by my website, www.beyondretirement.ca, and leave me a short message. Thanks again for listening, and we'll chat again next week.